0: Okay, Um, welcome. This is uh, the session, uh, Big Impact for Small Museums Internships as a win-win-win for all participants. Now, internships at small museums can be a tremendous benefit for all the parties involved. For the university, internships in small museums provide students with real-time training to supplement and apply classroom coursework for the students internships in small museums serve as an excellent opportunity to obtain hands-on experience in the very type of institutions that now employ a growing number of cultural heritage professionals for the small museum student internships can provide a skill uh, uh, for a small museum student internships can provide skills learned in a classroom setting that are unavailable to many small museum staffs and in this session, we will explore all three of these perspectives. Patricia Harris, currently a marketing assistant with the AASLH, will address the student perspective. Kathleen Clare, executive director of the Scott County Historical Society here in Minnesota, will provide a broad overview from the small museum perspective. Uh, myself, Robert Connolly, I will focus on the university connection in my capacity as a faculty member in the museum studies graduate certificate program at the University of Memphis and uh, as the director of a small museum we're each going to limit our uh, comments to about 15 minutes to ensure that there will be plenty of time for questions and discussions now I want to make just a few introductory comments about internships I have found this subject to be one that generates a good bit of controversy primarily when considering paid versus unpaid internships. Threads I have followed and commented on, both in LinkedIn and Museum L, have been quite heated on this subject. Okay, now, uh, um, I'm wondering how I go forward on this. Oh, you probably hit the arrow button. Bingo. Figured that out. Okay, Um, the, the, the Department of Labor lists six criteria that unpaid internships must meet. And now I'm not an attorney and I don't play one on television either, but these should provide you with a good starting point in your own consideration on the paid versus unpaid internships. For the basics on how an internship can fit into a small museum, I'd like to first consider the type of staff positions we have at the CH Nash Museum at Chuckalisa, where I am a director. Now, although these data are a couple of years old, they uh, tend to tell the story. You will note that the number of people, uh, number of what we call, refer to as irregular staff hours is approximately equal to that of the regular staff hours. The regular uh, non-maintenance staff hours at the museum consist of two other full-time employees, uh, myself and a small number of hourly uh, employees, or a small number of temporary hourly employees that we primarily use during the summer months. So who are these irregular uh, uh, irregular staff people that I'm referring to? the community service learning hours are primarily through AmeriCorps uh, teams we host along with alternative spring break and other community service projects the graduate assistants listed here work 20 hours each week during the academic semester and are compensated for their service our interns are all students enrolled in classes either through the University of Memphis or other institutions If the individuals are not enrolled in classes and are not paid for their work, then they are volunteers. That is, we have no paid interns. In fact, all of our interns are actually paying tuition in the form of course credit. Unpaid internships are typical at most small museums with which I am familiar. The pros and cons of paid versus unpaid internships at private or large public institutions is beyond the scope of uh, this session and is really sort of the fodder for something separate. I would like to focus the remainder of my presentation on the university connection with internships. As Patricia will uh, will detail, her internships through the University of Memphis were crucial in her own educational process these relationships can also be crucial to the small museum now here are just a few examples of how this can work in fall, in small museums virtually all university museum studies programs require internships for degree seeking students and there are a bunch of them spread across the country the Smithsonian has quite a few of them listed on their site for example a couple of years ago I was speaking to the assistant director of one of my favorite small museums that I'm certain you've all heard of it's the Pearl Button Museum in Muscatine Iowa it's a really fabulous place if you haven't been down the river to see it in our conversations the gentleman explained the need for assistance with some projects at the museum a quick search showed that the University of Iowa in Iowa City just 70 miles away offers degree programs in museum studies and a possible resource for that assistance he needed. In the University of Memphis Museum Studies graduate certificate program all students are required to complete two 150 hour museum internships. Occasionally our students land an internship at one of the Smithsonian or other national museums. Some are also completed at the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis but the large majority are completed at small museums, such as at Chuckalisa. Our graduate interns have worked on exhibit creation, collections management plans, volunteer plans, educational programs, to name but a few. At other small museums in Memphis, our graduate student interns have developed collections, database projects, photographic archives, done event planning, and many more uh, types of opportunities. Now, here is a crucial point for the small museum. In the same way that grants do not provide free money, internships do not provide free labor. Our museum studies interns all operate under a contract, which is too small to read here, um, but basically, it stipulates everyone's mutual responsibilities. Everyone agrees on what the student will do and what the museum must do. We simply will not approve an internship that uh, unless the student receives appropriate training for the work that they're going to be doing. For example, in an exhibit development, cl- uh, in, a, in in an, for example, uh, in an exhibit development. A U of M graduate student intern has received some training in exhibit development through one of our core courses. They have read Beverly Sorrell's exhibit label book, among others. They understand the concept of a big idea in creating an exhibit. But they certainly are not experts and must be mentored and guided through the process. One of the current buzzwords in museum studies and elsewhere is the notion of co-creation. That certainly is the case in internship projects. In my own experience, I find that administering and mentoring three or four internships a semester is the equivalent time investment as in teaching a single course. We also have a good number of undergraduate internships, class projects and other forms of community service learning. For example, at Chukalisa our undergraduate interns participate in the day-to-day life of our museum including visitor services in addition to their special projects after the student becomes familiar with our facility we discuss a range of options that the student can take on some of these projects come from a pre-existing wish list of sorts others are based on student interest for example Rachel Clark shown here approach, approached me with the idea of creating a butterfly garden at the location where prehistoric human burials had been exhibited 20 years before at the CH National on the Chuckalisa site. This seemed wholly appropriate use of space, it fit within our mission and drew on Rachel's interest and skill set. Through further discussion we decided that Rachel would also create didactic panels that explain why we no longer exhibit human remains at Chukalisa. Rachel had no experience in this latter skill and she was completely trained by the museum staff. This is truly a co-created process. Another form of internship or community service learning we utilize at our museum is through university classes. This semester students in the foreign language department have taken on translating our visitor guides into French and German. We are discussing with students in the language revitalization classes of the Chickasaw and the Choctaw nations to translating our materials into those languages as well. The 15 or so graduate students in my museum practices, graduate seminar each fall, create a real time project that will live in an area museum. In fact, this fall or this semester, oops, go back one. Uh, This semester, they are taking on a group project of creating a suite of projects that will ultimately live in in the recently opened Museo de Hualcayan in Hualcayan, Peru. By about this point in my presentation, if you're from one of the thousands of small museums in our country with a staff that ranges from all volunteer to perhaps two or three part or full-time employees, you might very well be thinking these are all fine ideas in principle, but I don't have the time, resources, or connections to make them happen. And I don't want to minimize these very real challenges, especially on the commitment of time. As I have said, internships of any sort are not free labor and they do take a substantive investment of time. But I also know from my experience that small museums are some of the most resourceful institutions in this country for precisely the reason that we get, bu- we get by on such limited resources. But I've also had some very real frustrations in attempting to engage small museums in the Memphis area with some of our students. Here's an example. Three years ago, my museum practices seminar contacted uh, 12 area, uh, Memphis area museums to complete advocacy inventories for them. The basic idea behind these inventories is that the museum gets a list of their elected officials, visitation numbers, economic impact, and so forth, basically the type of data that's necessary for a two-minute elevator presentation. After working with the museums to complete the inventory, the students then provided a series of recommendations for more effective advocacy with tasks as simple as adding public officials to the museum's email list, soliciting letters of recommendation from high school, from area teachers to more time consuming tasks. In the second year of the project, my students did follow up with those 12 museums and offered to create economic or educational impact statements as well. The third year, we did the same as the second year. In the second and third years, only two of the 12 museums had carried out any of the recommended tasks or used the information in their advocacy inventory. Only one of the 12 took us up on the offer to create uh, an economic or educational impact statements. Now the project is in its fourth year. And this year, my students are reviewing this process the AAM's advocacy program in general, a synthesis document that Patricia wrote for her master's thesis to try and understand how and why small museums are not participating in this type of work. But here's my point in telling this story. Small museums in fact can be their worst enemy in this regard. For example, I was very pleased with the response I received from our economic and educational impact statements. Uh, that uh, were created. It works so well I use this model to create a graduate assistant impact statement as well. I can tell you that these three simple documents that took a total of 15 hours to create from start to finish made the difference in significant funding for the museum from our parent organization the University of Memphis. I was very pleased that my college dean distributed our economic impact statement to all the departments in the college and told them to create something likewise. So these have been pretty effective tools for us. But we are the only museum who took up my students up on this offer. The other 11 museums, also small in size, with a minimal amount of impact, could have had these statements created as well. So. Let me summarize my points and come back to the very title of this session. Internships can be a win-win-win for all partners in the equation. The intern or student gets valuable hands-on experience in applying their classroom education. There are great lines on resumes. The small museum gets a product or service they might not otherwise receive. The university has an additional resource for providing real-time learning for their students. All three of the partners form a relationship that continues well after the internship is completed, oftentimes including employment for the intern. In fact, the last three individuals I hired at Chukalisa for full-time positions previously served as interns at the museum. I can say without question that, that most of the professional folks that I know in museums in Memphis I met through arranging internships. The university certainly benefits in a major way with these outreach efforts into the community demonstrating their relevance as public servants. In this way, and in line with the theme of this conference, internships are a way to bring together a sum of parts to create a greater whole. Now I will repeat that internships are not free labor or even in paid situations limited to an economic exchange. Successful internships are an investment by all parties. There are stories to tell about internships gone wrong, but I'm also convinced that with proper planning and input from all partners, internships can be of tremendous benefit to small museums. And let me conclude by encouraging you to contact me directly if you wish to discuss how to go about this process in engaging resources in your area. I've got a lot of free time on my hands. Okay, Patricia. Okay, I'm exiting that, and there you are. Great.
1: I did not print mine out, so. <laughs> um, hi, my name is Patricia Harris. Uh, I currently work as a marketing assistant for AASLH, which you all know what that is, hopefully. Um, and I'm uh, a- as a temporary basis. Um, today, I'm going to speak on the nature of internships from the student and intern perspective. I've had three very different intern experiences as an emerging museum professional. Um, I was an intern and a graduate assistant at the C.H. Nash Museum at Chuckalisa, which you've heard Robert talk about. And for all of you wondering what the heck that is, um, it is a prehistoric Native American mound site in Memphis. Um, uh, and I was also an intern with AASLH before I began my employment and I also was an intern at the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis. Um, First, I'm going to talk about how an intern experience can shape a career trajectory. Then I will touch on expanding the networking and professional opportunities for both the intern and the host institution. Uh, And finally, I will talk about how to meet the goals of all partners from the intern perspective. Um, as Robert already touched on, the value of an internship shaping a career trajectory, I will talk about how an internship impacts many parts of the professional development process. Uh, education, career path, networking, and job skills. So bear with me because I'm going to have to testify for, a mi- for just a moment. Um, my first internship through the University of Memphis uh, was my junior year as an anthropology major. I originally was interested in biological anthropology, and uh, that's how I got my start at Chukalisa with Robert. Um, through my time spent at the museum, I had what I like to call my aha moment, where I realized I wanted to change both my education and career path and go into museums. So upon graduation, I entered a liberal studies master's program and the museum studies graduate certificate program at the University of Memphis. Um, I chose this path so I could focus on classes that were specifically designed for museums. Um, And at the same time, I began my graduate assistantship at Chekalisa. And I would argue, as Robert has already said, that um, an uh, assistantship is an internship in many ways. Uh, You're there to gain the same types of hands-on experience, and and both are striving towards the same goal to land a job. Um, although I will elaborate on this experience later, I wanted to touch on um, when I was a graduate assistant. I was sent to represent the museum and the state of Tennessee at the American Alliance of Museums uh, advocacy day. Uh, this was a very important educational as well networking experience, in that it kickstarted my second internship at AASLH, which in turn, through networking at a large national meeting such as this, um, it kickstarted my third internship at the Civil Rights Museum. Many, u- many universities actively provide their students with internship opportunities, and interns definitely understand that um, internships are valuable or essential to furthering their education and job skills. but I think it's just as ins- essential that museums value internships in the same way. So as I mentioned earlier, I attended Advocacy Day in DC um, while I was a graduate assistant at chuckcolasa that's our lovely uh, Congressman Steve Cohen who represents the Memphis area and you all recognize the house that I'm in front of. Um, I made networking connections there that have turned into very valuable professional relationships um, and upon my return to the museum I began to mold and form a model of advocacy for Chukalisa, uh building upon the economic impact statements that Robert had completed. Um, I can now confidently say that um, Chuck Lisa is a model for small museum advocacy uh, through the development of the impact statements, relationships formed with local congressmen, uh, congressional rec- representatives, and encouraging and providing resources for other Memphis museums to become involved in the advocacy process. And You've seen the, uh, this economic impact statement as well. Um, I say all of this not just for shameless self-promotion, but to emphasize the positive and productive impact that interns can have on the host institution. It's easy to list all the ways an internship develops the intern, but the intern, in turn can also help develop the museum. This is the result of a true partnership. Um, I view internships as less of a position and more of a relationship. All three entities must be fully committed or is a waste of each party's time and resources. And it is important to remember that the raft is the shore. Uh, for both museum and the intern, if you're always seeking the next opportunity or the next full-time impl- fully developed employee, you won't, you won't be able to learn from where you are in this moment. And while no one wants to be an intern for the entirety of their career, an internship, be, an internship should be viewed as less of a stepping stone and more as an extremely important development phase for both the in- emerging museum professional and the museum. For all involved, don't simply view an intern or the short amount of time at your institution as 150 hours to get through. While effort from supporting university, with effort from the supporting university, the host institution, and the eager intern, all including the field as a whole, will benefit and grow from a successful internship. Thank you.
0: Sorry. I have it on my uh, fish bottle opener. My name is Kathy Clare, and I'm the director
2: of the Scott County Historical Society here in Minnesota. We are just across the Minnesota River, just south of Eden Prairie. So, if you get a chance, come on down and visit us. Love to have you. We at the museum have had internship program since 2005, so we've learned a few things going over the years. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Got a this couple notes it. while he's getting it ready. That's it! Uh, each year we take on two to five interns to work in different aspects of the museum. So we've had a lot of experience with that and what we've learned is that we've changed our exhibit schedule on when we change out our large gallery so we can open in September and we can have interns in all the summer to work on that. We've also um, expanded our reach throughout the county and programs because we've had interns to work with us for that. And Kind of looks good for the county to have that. And now I'll have to bring my voice down so I don't scream in your ear. Cheers. Thanks. Um, And then we also have uh, interns that work with us to create uh, articles that we can publish then in our county newspaper. We have done internships for students that are working for college credit, but sometimes they're just there to get their hands dirty, and that's just what we want to do. We work our interns pretty much to death. We've had one intern that started with us in 2006, uh, came back to join our board of directors, left our board of directors, and then we hired her back on contract work to do work in the collections. So she's been with us now for quite a few years. Okay, so where do you start if you want to have an internship? You gotta figure out what projects need help. So maybe it's exhibits. Maybe you want to put an exhibit in and you really only have one Volunteer working on that, so you want to check and see, all right, exhibits, we could work. What about programs? I know one person delivering programs is really difficult. If you have a few more interns to help, that's better. Collections, who does not have a pileup of collection work sitting waiting to get done? Or research and writing, I never ever have enough time for that. Or there's something else going on. This past year, we brought in a communications intern to write a marketing plan for us because we really never had one before and it worked out great. So let's say you want to bring in someone for collections. Okay, this is what one of our collection spaces looks like. Let me find out where I'm at at my thing here. Here we go. Okay, what makes sense? What can an intern do for collections? Well, they could work in your collections area. Maybe they can organize it for you. Or they could do a lot of um, Entering of data. They can do some cataloging for you. Um, hello, metadata. Let's get a lot of that in. They could also work in doing inventory. They could do a lot of things within a uh, collection. They can um, work on, let me find my stuff here. Okay, marking items. I don't know if you about you, but when I walk through our collection, we can find a lot of things laying on the shelves that have tags that are just wrapped around the items. Yeah, that's not a good thing, is it? So we get interns and go along, can actually mark the items properly. And they get right in there. They know what they're doing. They can get their hands dirty in there. Um, They can also learn about the right techniques for housing items. Um, they can do the registration file. It's really cool to watch an intern um, see someone bring in a donation and have them walk that through every step of the way, from um, identifying it, doing research on it, doing the registration files, um, cleaning it, marking it, and then housing it properly, and then putting the location back in their um, catalog. However, you're marking it that way. We use past perfect. So. The intern sees it from start to finish. It's really important for them to do that. It's great for us. The other thing is maybe you want them to work in the environment. You want to have them go around and, and check all your pest traps. Maybe they need to do some light levels. Uh, they can check the relative humidity. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had that really old school thing that you swing around in the air for a while to check the humidity. I'm old, so I remember that. The kids dig that because they've never seen something that old like me. So it's fun. Okay, so... What do we get out of it as a museum? Well, we get a lovely collection. It's all organized. Items on the boxes are all marked. The things inside there are marked. We get our database updated. We have um, a nice, clean collections area. This is our database. This is all itemized there's metadata in there. There are search terms in here now and the location is. So now we know where these items actually are. So we get a lot out of an internship that way. But what does the student get out of it? They get their hands into it. They get to touch these really cool items. They get to learn with their feet on the ground, how do I handle a World War II uniform? Or what do I do with this? Uh, Well, that's what happened to us. We had a... um, Somebody was doing an internship for us and they found a hand grenade. (laughs) And we're like, ah, Has that been checked before? It only had a little tag hanging off the end of it. So, okay, you call the police department, you have them come in, you have them look at it. So it turned out it was dead, but thank God. So um, they get their hands in there. They get to find out how many artifacts they've actually done. They get the experience of working with a variety of different items. They get to understand how inventories are done. They understand what a collection is from beginning to end. And maybe you have a small collection they can work on from start to finish. So they can say, I've done this whole collection. This girl came in, was doing an inventory for us of some items from Marie Stan's collection. I'm sure that name means nothing to you, but it does to us. Um, In the middle of it, she said, hey, this kind of looks funny. What is this stuff on this? You know, it was an old cigar. Somebody had left in the collection. It got moldy, so her internship quickly shifted to having to um, clean items that were full of mold. How do you handle it? You get it outside. You clean it. How do you use protective gear? So um, she learned a heck of a lot that year with us. So that's what the intern gets out of that. Okay. I don't know if you all have exhibits. Most of us do. But what can interns do for that? Well, what I like is that they get to dig around and play in the collection. They can see what items would work really good for this topic. They can do collections. Um, They also learn about how to mount something properly, how to display it properly. They get to make labels. We could use them to do that for sure. They can do a lot of writing. And they also can help with the installation of that. What I like is that a lot of the interns that we bring in for exhibits have really fresh ideas, and they're really fun. We had an idea. We were doing one on um, 1950s, and we were having a little corner of the exhibit that one of the interns was working on, and um, she said, I really want to have Mr. Potato Head. And I said, "I love Mr. Potato Head." And I said, "But we want to have one that kids can play with without the little pieces getting in the way." I said, "We got a lot of foam left over. Let's make a giant Mr. Potato head." And so we did. And it was just like, ah, just a little spark of an idea. And, and that turned out to be a really big hit in our exhibit. So they have fresh ideas coming in. What do we get out of it? We get really cool exhibits. Um, This was a World War II we had one of our interns work with a volunteer in the in the neighborhood who made that um, Gun it's all made out of wood and metal pipe and stuff It's not real, Um, but they loaded they filled all the sandbags too because he wanted it to look real Um, And then we have the 1950s on the corner there, so the kids really worked hard on that. I call them kids I apologize the students they really get into it the other thing is that for us we wanted to expand our reach out into the county as well show our commissioners that we're we're covering the whole county Uh, we have the intern take ownership of developing an exhibit from concept to installation and evaluation and so the one that says fish point here the tavern that's in one of our um, city halls in town one of the towns halls they take a small Exhibit, and they do it from start to finish. So they have to know: how do I choose an artifact to go in there? How am I supposed to mount it? How do I write labels? That, my friends, is the hardest thing for these kids to understand: is how to write a label. They'll research a topic and they'll come back to you with a six-page research paper. Is that right? And you say, okay, but synthesize that down a little more. And they'll come back with a three-page paper. It's like, no, I want two lines, I want a paragraph. And they just can't wrap their head around it. So that is uh, one thing these kids get out of it. This is another thing. The, kids, the interns can go back and say, I did this. I created this exhibit. I know now how to research and write a label. I know how to create a clothing mount. I know how to design an exhibit that looks inviting to people. Um, one of the interns we had, we, we did have to create clothing mounts for um, a small Victorian area dress. Um, this person then was, went into grad school, and she was working at the ASMAT um, art over at the, uh, St. Thomas. And the teacher was saying, how are we going to show one of these things, one of her professors? She said, well, I'll just make a clothing mount for it. And the professor's jaw fell on the floor. She goes, how the heck do you know how to do that? She goes, Oh, well, I learned it down at Scott County. Blew her professor away. So the kids, they do learn a lot about it. This intern um, wanted to create an exhibit on site. We have a smaller gallery that they can do. She wanted to do it on county fairs. So she researched the county fairs. She also went and talked to the Ag Society. She went and talked to a bunch of different organizations in the different towns to find out what they do for their festivals. So it was a way for her to actually engage with the community as well. So they, they learned a lot. Programs. It's another one we need help with. Research. They can do a lot of research, interns can do. Um, they can also develop your programs. They can research uh, Minnesota standards or whatever you're, wherever you're from, the standards for teaching, history, language arts, mathematics, STEM. They can do all that research for you and they can come up with a program for kids. Um, they can also do evaluation. I always wanted to do that. <laughs> Darth Vader, testing? If you can't read it, it says, I find your lack of tests disturbing. We had one do just evaluations for us, which was really cool. Okay, what do we get out of it? Exponential growth of people that are really participating in our programs. We get, we'd had someone work with us to look at our old school programs, which were really old, and to dis, Minnesota standards had changed 100 times by then. So they went through it and said, okay, what are the teachers really looking for? So they went and talked to the teachers, evaluated the program, and then they also helped us to pilot it. Now we're, we're also now being more engaged with our community. Our education programs are top-notch. People are clamoring for them. We can do more guided tours. We're doing, um, we got more grant money to come in. So it was great for us to have the interns work with us. And then the students, these two guys, they had learned how to put the components together to deliver a program. They absolutely hated this part of it, just so you know. They were delivering programs in the libraries. We got to partner with the libraries, so they'd do hands-on children's programs. They had to have all the props and stuff ready for ahead of time. They learned how to what pieces of materials do I need to do this program. Then they get out there, and they deliver the program. This was at some community fairs that we were at. And then uh, this guy turned out to be a fantastic teacher, um, right in there playing with all the kids and delivering the programs and giving them a little piece of history and then having a lot of fun. So they got to interact with the communities. Again, this went all around the county, so we extended our reach throughout the county. But they learned a lot on how to take a concept in history and to create a program around that that would be um, engaging, fun, And entertaining for kids and adults and then deliver it and then come back and evaluate at the same time research here's our research library I'm really excited that we have a new digital microfilm reader we always need research done I don't know about you but we always need to have someone research a topic for an exhibit for an article for uh, people in the county or just someone calling um, we also need a lot of writing. We do a lot of articles. We put articles in our county newspaper. We do it in our newsletter i can 't tell you how often somebody says it 's your turn to write the article in our staff and I know it 's your turn. I did it last time. What volunteer can we get to write us an article oh my god i 'm so sick of writing articles so Interns come in and say, well, you have to write, you know, we can get you to come in and write an article, pick a topic out of a list this long, or come up with something yourself that'll fit. And we've got some great articles that were written that way. And then the kids, they also get published, which is wonderful. Our outcomes, our files are now rich. Our subject files are really getting thicker and thicker in our research library. It's very wonderful for us to be able to go back. Someone will come, come in the other day and said. What do you have on the history of the sheriff's office in the county? And I'm thinking, did we have an intern work on that? Yes, I have a subject file for you. It was great. And the other thing is to do publishing, and I forgot to bring my book. We did an oral history, and through that oral history, it was a six-year-long project. We had a long-term intern come in and work with us on cataloging the oral histories. It's not an easy process to do. So not only did they take it from tape, and digitized it. They also cataloged it. And that is, took a long-term process, so they were for over a year. And But using that, we were able to pull those transcripts out and to create a book. This book ended up making the museum over $14,000 in sales. It was a wonderful moneymaker for us as well. So we got a lot about that. But the interns they learn how to do research, they learn how to take a topic and all the different sources for primary sources, secondary sources, how to synthesize it together. They learn how to dig and dig deep, not just here at our museum, but also what other resources are around there. They go to Carver County, they go to the Minnesota Historical Society, which is a very rich library, and a bunch of other places. And they they get in there and they do the work. We've had a lot of really fun interns. Um, I also make each one of my interns, because I'm in Rotary, I make them go and give a talk on what it's like to be an intern at Rotary, which is kind of fun. So they enjoy that. Um, The one thing I want you to think about, and this is something Robert really touched on, is do you have the capacity to actually host an intern? Think about what the time is involved at that. You know what work you need to be have done. You know kind of what kind of things you want them to do. But do you have the capacity to host one. You know, what kind of space are they going to need? Do they need a computer? Are they going to have to have someone supervise them the whole time or can you show them how to do something and then they can run with it? And How often are you going to check in with them? So really understanding what the time is involved in that. And then how are you going to evaluate this? What what are the benchmarks you're going to have for this intern along through their whole topic, the time they're working with you? Job description, you put that together, but I love the favorite one, is just keep calm, but supervise them. Don't let them have, you know, here's your job description, you know, and you can sit over there and write it and then walk away. You you just can't do that. You have to be right on top of it, keep an eye on them, checking. And if they're doing cataloging, you want to go back in and look at the cataloging. Have they done it right? Can you follow up with them and say, you know, next time do this, this, and this? Or um, check in with them, you know, is this still working for you? So it it does, you know, make sure you are able to do it because it it is a two-way street. Uh, Okay, so where do you find all these lovely, wonderful, talented interns? Well, you write a press release. That's a really good thing to do. This is going to synthesize in your head who are we looking for and what are they going to be doing? When are we going to start it? When are we going to end it? How many hours are they going to put in? What kind of stuff are they doing? When you have that, you're going to put it on your website, and you're also going to probably Tweet it, put it on your Facebook. Use social media. It's a great way to reach out, because guess who's using social media? Your interns are. Go to your um, organizations, your, your state Minnesota Historical Society, the Minnesota Association of Museums, the Minnesota Alliance. In each one of your states, you're going to have other museum organizations that will help you to put the word out that you're looking for an intern. Uh, look a little bit outside the box. We have had some, some students that are in high school from Upward Bound that were very interested in working in the um, museum field, and we had some working on some collections for a while for us. Spring Board for the Arts brought in some wonderful interns that wanted to work on programs, which was great. Um, go to job fairs. There so are job fairs, internship fairs. I know the Minnesota Private College Fair is coming up in February. You can register for it now. We found a lot of interns that way. Go to the uh, local college, university. Um, what are some of the other? Uh, I'm thinking of the Hennepin. Oh, the technical schools, too. And look f- there. Talk to those recruiters and tell them who you're looking for, what kind of skills you're looking for. And then my favorite one, talk about it. Talk to your peers. Talk to your friends. Talk to the other colleagues in, in the same, um, you know, all your colleagues, and let them know, hey, We need an intern to work on this. Do you know anybody? Spread the word for me. And with all that, you're going to get some really wonderful applications for your internships. Screen them really well. Not only are you looking for if they have some kind of a background that will help them in what they're doing, but is it a good fit for your museum? You know your staff. And if you don't have staff, you know your volunteers. Are they going to fit in? I don't know about you, but my place is goofy. We're all nuts over there. We're, we're silly. If you go to this one part of town, if you don't come back with some donuts from Edelweiss, you're not allowed to come back in the museum. You've got to go back and get them. So it's that kind of a culture. Are they going to fit in with that? So was it good for you? This is my text, my only text. You have to evaluate your program and find out, is it really working? Are you actually getting the interns you want, and are they doing the work you need, and are the interns really getting something valuable out of the experience? So check it, you know, have your outcomes ahead of time so you know what you're looking for. Make, you know, did you have things go on time, or were there hiccups along the way? What was the stumbling block? What could you do better? Was there enough supervision? Not enough. You know, how did it work out? What would you do differently? And then check in with the interns. You know, Let them know that you want to have them explore a different aspect of the museum field. Maybe they're more in communications and they want to do that, but they really want to do a little more experience in programs or in exhibit development. When those things do go hand in hand, but they want to do some exploration. This is a chance for them to do that. They know what their expectations are. You know what they are. And you work together so they can explore different areas. Um, and then you want to make sure that you have enough resources for them. And make sure that they know that it's okay for them to come and say, you know, I really think I need to go to uh, Minnesota Historical Society to do some research in this one area. And you say, cool, great, go. Um, or they can say, you know, uh, I need to have a computer. It's like, no you don't. You can use the one in the library. you know, Something like that. But you want to make sure that there's a give and take and you have the resources available for them. The other thing is to... When the intern leaves your door, you don't want them to walk out with nothing. They should have a portfolio that they're taking with them that shows this is the experience that I've earned at this internship. They should have samples of their work if possible. They should have pictures of what they're doing. They should have a recommendation from you that says these are the things that this intern did well at my institution for this length of time. And that will help them to then build their resume. And you can talk to them about how are you going to talk about this internship in your interview for a job. So you can give them some skills, too, to help them further down the road. So over time, you're going to figure out what works for you. And you're going to always have mistakes along the way, hiccups. We got in the wrong guy one time. He showed up a couple of days then took off and never came back. It's like, okay, that was a bad one. But, you know, it happens. But then you get some kids that come in and they just like are, are so gung-ho, they don't want to leave. They keep coming back. They volunteer forever. And it's like, great, I love this. So you're going to have all over the board. So, but you're going to know what's going to work, what's not going to work. I gave you all a handout. I hope everybody got one. In there is a contract that we do with our interns that says this is what we expect from you. This is what you can expect from us. This is when you're going to start. This is when you're going to end. We ask our interns to do no, no less than 10 hours a week because we know that in the summers, that's our biggest time to get interns in, they're out there getting a job because they've got to pay for school. So we don't want to take away from that, but we also want to make sure that the internship that they're doing at our museum is going to be worthwhile for both of us. Less than 10 hours isn't going to cut it. So we have at least 10 hours, and we want to make sure there's one day per week that we know they're all going to be there at the same time so we can do a check-in with each other make sure we're all on the same page, talk about what's coming up. So, that the experience with an intern is really valuable for your museum, because you're getting some great things out of it, but it's also extremely valuable for the intern that they're getting a really wonderful experience that they can use further in their career. That's me, Kathy Clare, Scott County Historical Society. And that's it for me. Thank you.
0: Thanks to both of our other speakers. And now, do y'all have any questions, comments, concerns, anecdotes? Does anybody want to sing a song? Yes. Okay. So, I'm um, uh what yeah, other staff members can. It, can we get a microphone on you, really quick? She's coming. Oh, good. Okay. I'm going to stand up for you. Well, maybe I can. That's no, okay. Oh, okay, okay. I have
1: a big mic. Have any of you worked uh, with other staff members that see internships or having an intern as more of a burden than a good thing for the organization? How have you gotten over that?
2: I have. I have someone that worked, um, not my current curator, but one previous, said, no, uh, I have, my collection is my collection. And, you know, no one's going to know how to do it better than me. And we kind of put the kibosh on that and said, how many pieces of this collection do you really want to have cataloged? If we can't find something, isn't that a problem? So it's working with them to let them know what, and then kind of ease it in. It's like, okay, why don't, if you don't want them in your computer entering the stuff into the, the database, come up with a sheet that they can fill out, and then you can enter it in the database. So it was coming up with something that was a win-win for everybody. Win-win, did you catch that? So <laughs> yeah, it was finding a way to kind of ease it in, but just letting know, I'm sorry. This is, if this is something we have to get done, then we have to find a way to do it that's going to work for everybody. Does that answer your
0: question? I think the other point that I would add to that, too, is really developing. It's something I really get up on a soapbox on Preach for a long period of time. This whole notion of relevancy that, you know, uh, what I tell uh, anybody that really wants to listen is that, you know I'm on the public dole all of our employees our staff are on the public dole the graduate assistants are on the public dole it's all tax money that's supporting us we have to be relevant to those folks and I think that um, in 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 things like uh, you know the the the, uh, the example you're using like with the curator and having you know the folks out in the public who are going to be able to have an experience. They're going to go back out and the uh, you know to talk about this wonderful experience. The museum, all of a sudden, instead of being this little place sitting off in a corner somewhere, is going to have some real relevancy to the public. It is where the long-term relationships and uh, you know that uh, for museums can really be built. I, I when uh, Patricia's first started doing our advocacy work. At at alisa one of the things I feel very strongly about as well is not going up to people and asking them for money when we're broke. But it's going up and developing those relationships so they're gonna come to us and say, is there anything that you need that we can help you provide? And I think that's where uh things like these internships are really
1: very helpful.
0: On the
3: point of bad internships, the
1: the most what I've seen is with that is people who take on interns and really don't have the want or need or desire to have that intern there. Um, they want to further the field, they want to develop emerging museum professionals, but they just simply perhaps don't have the time. Maybe they're going through a big fundraiser or they're going through an event or a renovation. And um, at that point, I would encourage people to just say no and develop and direct. The intern to some a colleague or colleague at the same museum, colleague at another museum, who does have the time to engage in that relationship with the intern. Like I said in my presentation, it is a, is a waste of both parties' time and money and resources if you if you don't have if. And that's how bad internships do develop is people who don't have the time want to say yes, but and then you sit around and twiddle your thumbs. So.
2: First one, yeah. it's just you know figuring out what do you need. Right. Don't get something yeah. if you don't need it. Yeah, yeah. That's okay.
0: Um, any other comments or questions? I think she's going right. right. You are going to go to an educational institution and ask that institution for an intern who will be getting credit, earning credit in his program, his or her program. What expectations does the educational institution have? I'm sure it's going to be quite, or well, ought to be, quite rigorous. And from, I mean, you are with an educational institution. Perhaps you could help us understand that. Is that good what, what we do with uh, uh, every internship is we sit down and discuss with the museum. Uh, we, we have a three-way discussion before the internship begins with the, the intern, with the museum institution, and with, uh, for example, myself as the, su- the, the uh, university supervisor for the internship. We all come to an agreement on what that internship is going to consist of. The student writes down their understanding of their role and uh, what the results are going to be. The museum does that as well. And then all three of us sign off on it and we have this contract. And and it's it's, it's actually it's happened before where all of a sudden you know the intern was, well I don't have time for you today work in the you know run the cash register or something like that. And we've terminated internships over that. In the same way, we've also had interns who, you know, think that it's, uh, you know, kind of like a uh, 100 hours is close enough to 150 hours. So, you know, we're not going to worry, you know, why, you know, worry about really being on time and so forth. And we've terminated internships, internships over that. I think we're really developing a very uh, good reputation in the Memphis area that university students, when they come in, they're going to perform and they expect, you know, to, uh, you know, have have a real task there Um, I think that there are also and and something Kathleen was talking about uh, you know I'm probably speaking about internships in sort of a very formal way then we also have like uh, one of the things we're, we're negotiating now with both the Chickasaw and the Choctaw nation are to do translations of our visitor brochures into the native languages you know, maybe it's going to work, maybe it's not. So there, there is a lot of gray area on some of these as well. But I do really believe, as much as we can get down on paper, have the negotiations up front, that uh, the chances are things are going to come through um, uh, much better. I also used to try and, you know, go out at least halfway through the internship and have a discussion with, uh, you know, the, the uh, intern and the, uh, the museum, and sometimes that just... Uh, Ceases to be practical, but uh, that's the ideal.
2: On the other end of it, as a museum where the interns are working with us, I make sure that I've talked to the professor that they're getting their um, credit from, find out what their expectations are, what their benchmarks are. These the interns have to have, and what the uh, final product would be. So then. When we go back to supervise the intern, we know exactly what we're aiming for, what benchmarks we have to hit, and they know it, too. We stick to it. We have gotten rid of interns as well, too, if they're not following the procedures. And then we also make sure at the very end that we have um, checklisted off everything that needs to be done for their credit and pass that into the professor. Yeah, that's what we really found out when we had that marketing intern this past year. It was like, wow. He goes, what social media do you use? We told him a couple of things. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, "If you who you want to reach? We said, well, you know, families between the said. He goes, oh, well, here's what you got to do. So, yeah, absolutely having that fresh idea, that energy. Oh, my stars. They're all over the place. It's great. It tires me out.
0: I I, I just would echo that as well. I I feel like the the one thing I've I've learned in life with working with younger folks is just to sort of throw the idea out, stand back, let it germinate, let's see what bubbles up, you know, keep some broad parameters on it. But – and I I would just use this one example. This is – does anybody here know what a candy lady is? No. Okay. We we had – nine area high school students at Chuckalisa who developed an exhibit on the African-American cultural heritage of the neighborhood and one of the and, and the kids started talking about candy ladies and I'd never none of our staff had ever heard of candy ladies uh, and, and it turns out a candy lady is a really big form of informal economy in the african-american community of the south particularly in the Memphis area and in the south as well um, and it just you know what what really blew me away about this was I never I, I wouldn't know what candy ladies are today if we hadn't engaged the local community in this process. Uh, we have the one young woman that ra- raised it with me. She's actually an anthro major at Alcorn uh, University now, and I keep on saying you know, you got, that this this whole thing with candy ladies is it's 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 a it's a huge enterprise in the community plays all these different roles and everything but uh that came from an intern a high school intern who was brought in and really enhanced our programming in that way
2: you brought something up that I want to talk a little bit about is the um, internship who's, they get a broader experience all the way around. Well, that's absolutely, in a small museum, that's what they're going to get because you may come in to work on collections, but at the same time, you're going to be working with someone on what artifacts do you choose for an exhibit or what um, would be deaccessioned and go into the education um, collection. Or if you're coming in as a program person or exhibits, you're going to be working again with um, exhibits, what are the hands-on exhibits you're going to create, and what are the outcomes or the takeaways do you want people to have coming away from this exhibit? So, I mean, there's a lot of overlap, and in a small museum, you definitely have to get mixed in with everything else.
1: Yep. Um, I would emphasize that point as well. As uh, One of the joys that I found in my different capacities of working at the Chuklis Museum is that it's a small museum, you have a lot of needs, and there is no department to go work in and stay in, and that's your department. So you wanna do development? Well, you can do development on this while you're doing visitor services. You know, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. I think that's really important for someone who is in graduate school or high school or college who's trying to figure out what you wanna do in a museum um, it's important it, it's good that you can get that well-rounded experience um, and kind of uh, go towards what your interests are and kind of merge them with the needs of the museum and you really get that in a small museum which I think is great
3: so. but,
0: uh, just to add one uh, uh, quick thing on, on what you were speaking about something I don't know I I'm really not sure how this is going to go but uh, we were doing a continuation of this original uh, project with the high school students this summer where we were doing the uh, hidden histories, oral history projects. And we were doing it through a charter school. And the charter school is going to pick this up in the fall and meld it into their journalism classes. So, again, it's sort of this idea of really developing this ongoing relationship in an ideal world what we would do is develop a relationship with this particular class where we would con- you know just really begin continuing the cycle of, uh, uh, throughout the years yes, sir.
1: We, we are recording this and that's why we're trying to get the microphones to y'all so she's coming right now there she is
3: there's a mic up here no no, no okay. she, there
1: she is yeah
3: uh, okay I'm from a small state Delaware and we have the University of Delaware which has a museum studies program, okay? But it's not really an official major. It's in the art department. The combination we found that really worked was to have an adjunct professor, and we had several of them that are basically work for places like the Hagley and Winterthur and so on. And so they develop a course called Curators and Collections, and they have masters and PhD students and they line up to do a project with a small museum. Who really can't afford to pay them, but maybe they can cough up some funds to pay for the details. So this is a four-month course from beginning to end. Very successful. We had seven buildings with um, collections strewn all over the place, and then we had a brand new building that had a collections room. And so these students had a marvelous opportunity to go from beginning to end with cleaning collections and gathering collections and so on. And it was fantastically successful. Um, You have to have a number of people with the organization that have time, maybe three days a week, to work with all these students. But if you can set up that arrangement, it's a success. And we are very, very pleased. That's all I have.
0: Uh, The definition of research.
3: I'd be interested to know your opinion of research by Wikipedia.
0: (laughs) I actually taught a course this past year called Wikipedia as a Scholarly Research Tool. Um, I am a very strong advocate of user-generated content. I think that... uh, and uh, Boy... I, and I, I didn't plant you to a- ask this question either. But one of the ways, actually, that convinced me of the value of Wikipedia is uh, in my museum practices class, we always had a, a discussion on ethics. And I used to, and we talk about repatriation. And one of the things we talk about, repatriation of the Elgin marbles. And um, I'd always use this four-page article out of an archaeological ethics book. The thing was like 10, 10 years old. I said, eh, I need to update it. So I uh, was looking for another reading, Googled uh, Wikipedia or Elgin Marbles, came up with Wikipedia, 5,000 word article, 75 scholarly references. It had been edited over 500 times. Duh, 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 duh. My point about it is I think that, you know, Wikipedia is a wonderful starting place. It is certainly a fantastic resource. Uh, and it, it it very definitely has its place it's not the evil empire you know that many people have uh, laid it out to be in the past in my opinion so. You...
2: yeah I love Wikipedia but also again same thing jumping off point if you're a historian you know you never ever use just one source never you always go to a bunch of different ones. primary source secondary sources check the footnotes we do all that but Wikipedia is definitely has a place at the table
0: My my question has to do with the really small museums that don't have professional staff that are volunteer run Mm -hmm. that uh, may not be doing things uh, in in a proper curatorial method. Is there a a role for interns there and universities uh, uh, to help these very small organizations improve? Um, I haven't heard that model discussed today. And I have some sites I'm associated with that are like that.
2: Absolutely. We're actually involved in a couple of those right now. Um, One of our towns has decided to, they've had a collection at the city hall forever. They want to now actually take care of it. Um, And they decided to form their own historical society, and it's a very um, loosely put together bunch of volunteers that really don't know what they're doing. So we came in as advisors to them. And so they um, got a grant to bring in our curator to actually do workshops with them this is how you do it I'll help you get started we'll work on it and then after the fact they can keep coming back to us for advice on it and we get them set up with you know how do you what's an archival box how do you handle this what things should you wear gloves with or not um, so we worked really closely with them to get them started and now they they're kinda on their own but they keep coming back for more advice so working as an advisor is perfect. We've got another one that had a heavy, heavy mold issue. in a historic house the city owned. The historical society is just a couple really old ladies. who don't know what they're doing. They would go in with air freshener and think that took care of the mold. You know, and so the city called us to say, you know, help. So we came in and, and helped them eradicate the mold issue. But it's the historical our county historical society whatever you have that has professional staff on it i would say contact them and say we need advice we need help come come in and help us sometimes the advice is not taken Um, like the lady with the air freshener it took um, someone who owned the the house to actually step in and say no we're going to do it this way way absolutely there is that's what we did too because interns um that can get, devote time to a certain project, like the one for the, um, the Jordan Historical Society, I've worked with them, they had an intern to write grants for them to, to bring us in. They also had interns to help them to um, do an inventory of their collection, because they really didn't know what they had for that, so yeah, definitely you can have interns at work on that. You just have to make sure that there's someone who's supervising them. And that, yeah.
1: That's a question for you. Well, I was just going to say, it um, emphasizes my point about uh, interns who can help the museum develop and grow. Um, A lot of times, if you do get the the student interns from the university who are taking these museum collections courses, learning how to catalog, learning how to make labels, learning how to clean and handle objects, um, they can become very valuable resources to... Those really small institutions that just kind of organically grow out of volunteers who wanted to take care of this collection, but really don't have any formal museum training. So I think using the volunteers, or I'm sorry, using the interns from the universities who are in those museum studies courses can be very valuable. If the if the staff and volunteers will let them have a little bit, you know, take the advice and take it in, um, and you, you can really learn a lot and use them.
0: What, what I would say is if you were within three hours of Memphis, I would guarantee you that the University of Memphis <laughs> would take care of you um, and and if you 're not i i'd be happy to try and scour around looking for you know specific folks i mean i 've d- done that before for uh, uh, folks in uh, distant locations you know, the The one thing that Patricia was talking about, which I think is also very important, is when uh, if 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 we do uh, and there, were, there was one, actually, is the oldest historic house in Shelby County, Tennessee, that uh, was a house, and they had a separate facility where they made a lot of money hosting weddings and things like that. But uh, they did nothing for their historic collection, and we. They, they 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 invited us out to you know uh, to, uh, try and work with them on and the punchline is over about a three year period uh, we ended up they ended up hiring a halftime uh, collections manager you know based on the work that we had done uh, with uh, some in uh, some interns going out and saying you know uh, do, trying to do some best practices oftentimes though for the small museum it's a decision that they really do want to live by best practices too so or something. Something approaching best practices.
2: Right. I, would, I, I can't emphasize enough, though, that if you are bringing an intern into a small organization to do work on you, you absolutely make sure that that supervision takes place, because an intern just kind of let loose in the collection is just not a good idea. Yeah.
0: Uh, I th- it's it's over now. One minute. Oh, okay. Oh, one minute. Uh, th- thank you all very much for uh, coming. Uh, I'm sure that if you, if you have any other questions or comments. Uh, Uh, Kathleen, Patricia, and I'll hang out here for a little bit and be happy to answer any. But thank you very much.